ready for the interview And if you get a cue live on the laptop Watch what I'm gonna do Welcome to the show Let them know we got a point of view Hey, yo, let's have a combo Say what you feel, be real That's the motto Real talk, pronto Doctor D, PhD, hit the intro Hold up, wait Gotta be social Network global A home for the locals Gotta be social Network global A home for the locals I literally always tell this to people. I literally have no clue what's going to come out of my mouth. And that's the magic behind my podcast, at least. I don't know other people's, but Carmel Clark, how are you? Great. Thank you so much. How are you doing, Darian? I'm great. I was just like, I'm like running from one thing to the next. And I was training these two ladies and I was just, boom, I got to talk to Carmel. It's like, bam, you know. Pumped and ready to go. Pumped and ready to go. And uh, actually, I remember a lot about our previous conversation that we had offline. It was basically a podcast, but it was actually, I think it was the best offline conversation I had with a guest before the podcast. Oh my God, that's, I'm so glad. I, it was a phenomenal conversation for me as well. I mean, we, I mean, you just went right in. Loved your questions. Um, Just straight authentic, you know, which I prefer anyway. I mean, you know, let's talk about real stuff, real things, real people, real important. Instead of fake stuff. Okay. Yeah. Real stuff. Instead of positioning things. It's just, you know, yes. Follow the golden thread. Yeah. Well, you know, one thing that was lingering, I was like, I'm going to come back to this. And I really remember is we were like, oh, we can go into consciousness. We could talk about this. So, dude you just like tap my sweet spot like that's it right there <laughs> all right so you mentioned it last time we were offline talking about consciousness what did you mean by that last time when you said that word consciousness uh well i guess when you say that the first thing that pops into my mind is i see myself when i was about eight or nine years old and i just you know my mom used to take us outside the city um, you know, the edge of the city to across the highway to this amazing, um, uh, cemetery and gardens and everything. And so eight or nine years old, like I just started heading myself out there by myself alone, just go hang out. And I've thought about that kind of thing. Like I just loved walking through there was so serene and it was far away from like everybody else and life that was going on. And, and, that was just, what was that about, you know? And I, I look at that young self, that little Carmel, and I have this sense of my reaching to, to feel my existence, if you mm. could say it that way, you know? <clears throat> that there was just, you know, and to be able to do that by being in surroundings that just kind of reflected, or really not kind of reflected back, aliveness to me, um, myself. And so with that kind of history, and there's so much in that, right, that I, I also noticed things like, you know, when I was in high school, and uh, everybody, you know, you only look at or smile at the people you know, that you are friends with, even though you know a lot of other people. And, uh, and what's that about too, by the way, like, and I just, I felt this thing inside of me where I had been, you know, more afraid at these politics that would happen in junior high and I got into high school and I just felt this kind of like yeah this 
angst about it, this, you know, resistance to it. It was hardcore resistance. And I thought, no, like that doesn't feel good to me. It doesn't, it doesn't feel right because all of us matter. Like even at high school, like I had this thought, all of us matter. Why are we ignoring each other? Why can't I be brave, you know, in this kind of weird context of high school and just smile at you or say hi even if you're not going to say it back, even if you're not going to uh, acknowledge that I exist, I don't care because I can acknowledge that you exist. And that is me respecting myself and knowing that we both matter, right? That was the yeah. essence of it. So, you know, this is kind of the beginning of all of this that came around. And, and then to see throughout my life that I was always reaching for what most expressed consciousness in us as a, as a, you know, species and not just, I can't say just as a species, but to recognize that consciousness in my way of seeing it exists in everything. And how do I try to see it? How do I try to understand that in my living every day? So I know it's kind of a big answer. You went for <laughs> a real thoughts? big answer. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it's interesting. Well, let me backtrack. I was listening to a podcast with a gentleman who was like a pan panpsychist, something like that, basically panpsychism, which they believe that uh, consciousness exists in like inanimate objects as well. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure how I feel about that, but uh, I, I don't know. I'm open minded to hear yeah. stuff, even if it's like, well, I'm not sure. I appreciate that people are exploring different avenues of consciousness. I think that consciousness is kind of like not defined necessarily mm -hmm. by a lot of it's kind of like when you throw like a very vague phrase to a lot of people and people go oh yeah i'm motivated yeah like, <laughs> what does that mean like what you does know, it mean That's what exactly does that actually mean like if you asked a bunch of people what is motivation like you'd probably get a some similar things some different things but like what does it mean it's a perfect question right what does consciousness mean is it consciousness in the religious sense is it consciousness in the maybe kind of um metaphysical or biological sense of the universe is it carbon is it hydro like what is it and i think we're always trying to understand consciousness and then we've then we have this idea of like well can consciousness be put into like robots right what is what does it mean to be alive mm -hmm. the, what does that mean it's a crazy you know, question right there. Question after question after question. How can you answer those things? Right. And if we clone, right? If you're actually going to clone uh, another, you know, yeah. living thing, is, how, is there consciousness in that? How does that come to be? And what does it mean? And what does it mean to my own consciousness, you know, or the idea of that anyway? I right? don't want to be cloned. I don't, I don't, I don't. Oh God, no. <laughs> I don't, I don't think I want. Can you imagine? Okay, let's just imagine. <laughs> another Carmel was like there's like two of you like I'm talking not just like identical twins but like just another you like it's crazy I, yeah. I well okay so the thing that it brings up for me when you say that is like parallel universes right and like right. you know just the matter of choices taking two different trajectories and the ability for me to actually see that playing out in front of me would be kind of cool but I think it would present other problems as well I think so like I guess technically mathematically it's true a possible you could have you know yeah. parallel universes Multi yeah multiverse i'm not sure i want to know what the me somewhere else is doing i'm not sure <laughs> i'm that interested in that like oh really because there's, like... there's enough going on right now <laughs> okay well that's true 
How can I juggle my own life? I don't need to juggle another like million lives. Darian times 25. What are you doing? What are you? I don't know. (laughs) It's a good question. I can't put that on my calendar. It's already full. I don't know. It just, it kind of actually, and then I think about consciousness and life extension. And, and I also often think that if you think about it, we're all looking for extension of consciousness on some level in mm-hmm. many ways, like whether it's through afterlife consciousness, whether it's through uh, just extending consciousness uh, beyond our planet or through lifespan, like everyone I feel has a very different definition of how they want to continue their consciousness throughout their life. It's so true. I mean, this is a question that occupies my mind a lot as well, because um, I mean, personally, I do, I feel like consciousness continues. I, I sense that it does, you know, the way that I interact with the world and, um, you know, you can kind of read evidences in different directions and get different conclusions about that. But that is definitely the, the way that I personally tend. Um, but I also am really careful, like, I don't want to collapse that into like, well, this is what it looks like, or this is what it means, right? But in that, there's this awareness, like I recognize, for example, because I love philosophy, right? I'm, I'm a huge, you know, background in philosophy, and I read these philosophers, and I, I can't help but just walk inside this, like, they wrote these books and expressed themselves in where they were, what they thought about, what was going on. And that consciousness is still living and it comes in through me and through you and through so many different things. And, and you know, poets and filmmakers and artists and I, I mean, even just, you know, people throughout history, right? Consciousness is this sense that it's like living through us to the present day still, um, you know, even just our ancestors. There's a lot to, you know, be said about that, that people have, you know, definitely brought to the forefront. So, I mean, what do you think about that? I think consciousness certainly continues on. I think, um, and I think it's made very apparent. Like there are several people that have never seen anyone pass away, like actually be there when they die. And I've definitely experienced that. And I already believe that, but when you watch it, it confirms it to me even more. It's just this lack of animation. You realize the machine is animated by something. It doesn't, it doesn't feel uh, tangible. And I feel like there's a whole field of research that's trying to make it tangible. Yes. And sometimes I think, I mean, it's great to explore things, sure. but sometimes I think it's done to try to disprove the other aspect of it. Right. Of like that, oh, this seems like a very kooky pie in the sky thing but like why does it always have to be like provable all the right. time you know i think sometimes people are trying to prove stuff why does everything have to have an answer all the time and that to me goes straight to this idea of well we want to be able to have control over it and for me that goes kind of to the heart of where i think i feel consciousness really lives is that it isn't controllable for me like i go into like this concept of heisenberg's uncertainty principle mm-hmm. the more you can know and i talk about consciousness <laughs> this way I'll, I'll say it this way the more you know about the particle of consciousness to use the word um the less you can know about where it is and the more you know yeah. about where it is the less you can know about it like we're in this continual back and forth where you know, learning how to not try to control everything, to bring it into 
our total definition or our defining is yeah. very hard for a lot of people, a lot of humans. Yeah, I think so. And then it's, um, then there's the background of how you were raised and maybe you had a very bad experience with consciousness or anything like that. So you set out to try to obliterate the thing that you were raised on because you're angry yeah. about it yeah. versus looking at it just like, okay, I'm just curious about it. It's curiosity and then there's kind of revenge sometimes there with is. it, you know? I think for me, there's also that aspect of like, well, if I were to tell the story that like I choose everything in my life, it didn't mean that I made it all happen or that I, you know, but like I, where I sit right now, I make the conscious choice to choose my life, right? And if I look at that and they say, okay, if I choose my life, how do I understand where I came from and the things that yeah. happened to me and all of that? And it requires me to put it into a completely different framework, but it's one that not only frees me at a fundamental level, which I think it, for me is an aspect of consciousness, but it also allows me to free everybody else. And I think that for me is key. And yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Do you ever look at consciousness as kind of a frequency on some level? Yes. Yes. Yeah. What do you think about that? Like, oh, I mean, that's a fascinating question. I mean, you have the great questions for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Knowing you just as long as I have, I'm like, this dude has the best questions. It just flows um, out of me. I don't know. Literally, I have no clue. This comes to me. Seriously. Yeah, you're tapped in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I guess, you know, I, you know, there's so many different people who've said different things or have different ways of expressing consciousness. And uh, maybe if I, you know, I'm just kind of shooting from the hip here based on the sense that I have about what you said. Um, and my experience has been this concept of connection. So like consciousness is a frequency for me really expresses as a connection. Is it a connection to another human being or a connection to my surroundings or even a connection to myself, um, you know, connection to um, there being more, you know, whether somebody believes there's a God, right. Mm -hmm. Or there's, there's something greater, you know, connection to the, uh, the food that we eat or a connection yeah. to the movement that we have in our lives, you know, connection in these ways that to me feels like the frequency mm. that you're talking about. What are your thoughts about that? Uh, you know, I always think about it in terms of like people and like, mm. I, again, I, I don't know. I, I'm a very feeling oriented person. It's just, I always, I always tell people, I'm like, I just, it's the feels for me. Like <laughs> if I go somewhere and I don't feel tapped into it, I just, yeah. I don't feel it. And I feel that way with people. You know, I talk to tons of people all the time and everybody's really nice. But there's certain people that you almost feel like this entanglement occurring with the person. Like, so I'll give you an example. Like our conversation we had before this yeah. was a very like I had been there before mm -hmm. type of thing. <laughs> this was an old frequency. This was a, a frequency I had was familiar to me. Yeah. But clearly, I don't know you. So right. what is that? What is that? Like, what is that? Perfect question. I don't understand that. I feel like, is that a form of like conscious frequency? And like, how do we know that kind of that electricity that happens with people, you know? I think it's an, an, a fantastic question. You know, I had an experience when I was um, in India for a while and I was traveling around, I was staying in this little village and 
uh, I went to the Sikh temple there and I'd never, I wanted to experience a Gurudwara, right? I never had, and I had heard about them and I knew um, some Sikh people in my life and there was always something in me that was deeply resonant with them. And, you know, why? Because I never grew up with that. It was never in my, you know, world, my space. So I remember going to the Gurudwara and um, the people, nobody spoke any English, which was such a gift as well, right? Um, to just be completely outside of my element walking in. And I was there all alone. And um, the strangest thing happened. Um, First of all, because I didn't, I didn't know anything about how they practice. Um, and I received the prasad that when you walk in, they give you um, its gram flour with uh, honey and butter. And uh, it just, they put it right in the palm of your hand and you just eat it. And it represents this idea from the founder of the Sikh faith where he said, people can't come to know God if they're hungry or thirsty. And so he spent mm -hmm. his life helping people to be fed and to have these basic things that they needed so that they were free then to come to find God themselves, right? And I loved this idea. Anyway, I came in and I, I came to the front where the Guru Granth Sahib is. It's the, the book, right? Because the Sikhs have this idea that, um, or their belief is, I shouldn't say it that way, the belief is that um, God is not found in this image. God is found in the seeking of knowledge of awareness of understanding, which I, I love that. But then I moved around to the left and all the way around to the right. I, I walked all the way around and then I came to stand in front and I was just overcome suddenly and began to just sob. And I was all alone and that went on for quite a while. And then I finally moved off to the side and sat in meditation for a while, just sitting with the quiet of it. And I found out much later that that is the way that you move around when you come in um you you know people bring an offering of some kind of flowers incense um and then you move around from the left all the way around to the you know to the center to the right in the offering that you're making um and this is the kind of thing i you know having that experience and then finding those things out afterwards and i think how what where, where did that come from how you know <laughs> No, it's kind of like makes me think of I can't remember who said this, but basically it was kind of like there everyone has a signal. It's like the brain is the receiver. Yeah. And there's a signal that is the larger signal. And yeah. we're the antenna for the signal. And I think that idea is coming online a lot more. I think you're right. Yeah. And versus this kind of almost like it's all tangible. Like this just like this is why this happens. This is why I think the mystery of things is beautiful. And I, I agree. Sometimes with you. we're so into factual things and this has to be explained. Right. But like the mystery is also beautiful. And, and knowing that you may never know. That's right. That's important. That to me is what you have talked about feminine energy, you know, mm -hmm. and, and you actually promote people yes. being able to understand and become more connected to or aware of and accepting of feminine energy with themselves and with others and how we interact. And for me, the unknown or the mystery, that space that's undefined is a true space of the feminine, right? Yeah. It, it just, it makes sense to me when you look at, you know, the concepts in Taoism of yin and yang, always the, the feminine, when we try to define it, it's really like impossible 
because it's the field, it's the, 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 the possibility of everything, but it's not definable. That's where the young comes in, everything that's defined and known. And uh, I, I think that we are very uncomfortable being in the space of the mystery and the unknown as a species, especially particularly, I just have to say in the West. And for me, this is something I spend a lot of time working intentionally to help people recognize and then start to engage intentionally and consciously engage with the unknown and become more comfortable with that. Yeah, I think that is an important concept to discuss. I wanted to, I was thinking about this, the concept of transformation mm. also. I know this is important in your work. It is, it is key in my work, yeah. Right? And I think about transformation in the sense of like almost these lifetimes within lifetimes. Mm. And that I often feel like my life is like these chapters of these yeah. different lives that I've lived, of this transformation. But on your end, how have you come to understand transformation and then working with people about that? Uh, well, I, for me, I really see transformation as the spark of consciousness, like we're talking about, um, and that it can happen anytime, anywhere. Uh, you know, looking back to what I was talking about with walking through the, the hallways of my high school and my choosing to, my consciously choosing to look into the eyes of other people in the hallway and to smile or to say hello, which was, you know... <laughs> like the craziest thing anybody could do in high school, right? Yeah. Um, and that I didn't do it for attention. I didn't do it for these other reasons. I did it because I knew that I mattered and I knew that they mattered. It was just simply that. And that I would not be cowed by any kind of peer pressure into not being myself with others. And for me, that really speaks to this essence of transformation where something like a key goes in a lock and it turns and there's a click mm -hmm. and something opens that was not yet open or had been you know kept apart or away in some in some way right yeah, yeah. that's the feeling of transformation for me and that my my idea my belief my work really revolves around this idea that every one of us is what I call the effective transformation or the transformation effect in the mm -hmm. world. And the more we listen and pay attention just to that simple thing inside, the more that spark that we are hits off or clicks or the key goes in a lock and turns it. And we don't even know what the lock is. We don't even know that maybe this is the key that fits that lock, but that sincere, authentic, organic showing up you know, intentionally for whatever it is in the moment, you know, it could be the key in the lock of it just suddenly becoming aware of the most yeah. beautiful morning, right? Yes. Or it, it could be this other thing where you look at somebody and and they know that you see them. They're, you're in a grocery mm. store aisle, right? And that mm. you see them. That's real. And people can be uncomfortable with it, but it's real, right? We just don't know that effect that we have in the world when we really pay attention. Man, it makes me think about, I'm doing this uh, docu-series about the children of God's sex cult with members who survived Oh, yes, it. yeah, yes. So I've been doing the interviews with the members, former members, wow. crazy. Wow. But they learn in this technique called flirty fishing that the the person who created it, it's this way for them to like beg on the streets and make money. 
I swear there's a point to this. I swear it was like, <laughs> and it's not just a random story. I'm no, no, I'm you. just like, wow, okay. It's yeah. crazy. It's crazy. But they talk about like, they would learn how to manipulate people to give them money. Yeah. And how they would do that was to basically help people, to show people that they're seeing them actually. So like yeah. there's one lady, she, her and her mother, were part of this, they were kind of brainwashed about it, you know? And so they would go into like a gas station and say, hey, I need something. And they would look at the person and they would really like stare deeply into them. Yeah. And she said it was a technique they used. And you realize that was the first per- time that person felt like somebody actually saw them. Yes. That's their, that's their relation to what you were saying. And it's like, how often do you do that with somebody? You actually see them and it's intense. And then maybe the first time in their life, somebody was like, I, I've never been delved that deeply into. You peered into me. Yes. People don't do that with each other. Uh-uh. It's very it's, superficial. You know? It is. And then my question following on what you said is, how do people understand the difference between somebody who's mm-hmm. doing it as a manipulation, which to me is quite diabolical, yes. um, and exploitation versus somebody who is sincere? And that is the core of the transformational leadership work that I am passionate about yes. and that I do. Because first of all, I speak to, if you have any kind of authority, it is your responsibility to learn how to not use the trust of other people. If they yeah. give you their trust on any level, your number one responsibility is to be accountable to yourself to not take that trust and use it. Even if you think you have their best interests at heart, you are out of line. That is not our job. Our job is to show up completely on the same level with other people and in that connection to help them recognize themselves and trust themselves, not us. Yeah. Right. Do you ever talk about like transcendent leadership in conjunction with transformational Mm. leadership? I love that. What do you think? What, when you say transcendent leadership, I want to know what okay. that means to you, please. So I kind of came across this years ago. Um, I kind of like informally know it, but uh, Gallup had done this really super long-term longitudinal study where they had studied over a million managers on, I think, 30, 40 countries, like this all-encompassing thing. And they wanted to know like how frequent what was the frequency of transcendent leadership hmm. being like the leader who is so inspiring is so kind of creates awe and creates loyalty and trust and you know that person that they look at you there's something there when they mm-hmm. see you're like wow like they peered into me and gallup was saying that it's so rare to find this leader very rare for this person to exist in most work environments. That's why it's transcendent. That's why it's, it's rare that basically one in 10 managers has even some of these qualities. Uh, It's mostly not that or that. I agree. Um, So I look at transcendence as like that person or the leader, they transcend the position. Mm, I love that. They transcend it. It's no longer this title or that title. They just, they've become, they've transformed into something beyond that position. Right. It's hard to explain. Uh, I think that there's a great way to explain what you said. Um, and it comes from a quote by Leela Watson, who um, from Australia, um, and I love this quote, it's core to my everyday, right? 
Um, and she was speaking uh, specifically to civil rights and human rights um, there in, in things that were going on. She said, um, if you've come to help me, you're wasting your time. But if your freedom is bound up with mine, then let us work together. And for me, when you talk about this, that's that touching of that, that greater possibility, that principle and that greater possibility that our greater possibility exists in this space between us. How do I reach to find that? Even if you don't know how to, I still can. And as I do that, then it has this effect, right? There's a, there's a, a definite transformational effect that occurs when I hold to that greater possibility between us. Does that, yeah. does that make sense? No, it makes sense. I, but I also, I often think of it too, like how do, how do people spot it? How do you how do you know is like the transcendence so overwhelmingly different than everything else that you see it and you're just like, wow, or, or is it like that in our current society, we see transcendence as uh, someone who has had all these great ideas, they made a lot of money. It's like, wow, look at this, they're transcendence. I never think about it that way. No. I don't think about it that way. No, it's lifestyle nothing to do with that. Are nothing not transcendence. That. That's right. Yeah. But I think we have a, a, this feeling in society that that is part of it. Like that this person has achieved so much, they've transcended this, this business they're in. Yeah. I never think about it that way. Yeah, we have social authority built on that idea now yeah. because of social media and the internet. This, it, it's rampant. I mean, it's it existed all along, but it's just really taken over. And that's one of the things that I try to help people break down or dismantle is this concept. Because if I read a book that somebody else has written, I'm always looking to see where do you take this to? Ultimately, if it comes to lifestyle and bank account, then I, I'm, I just, no, sorry, yeah. I, can't, I can't go there. Because the real potential that exists is in the greater possibilities between us, not in the lifestyle and bank account that we can tout as this is why I'm successful. For me, when I teach, you know, and I, I'm, I'm teaching people uh, this transformational uh, coaching method, right? I help them have to come to this awareness that if you do it with one, you do it with a million. If you do it with a million, you do it with one. There is no difference in that. And if you have a difference inside of you, that is your own issue that you have to work through right. until you come to the clarity that one is one million people and one million is one. They are no different. And when we can hold that, that to me is, is an element of this transcendent leadership you're talking about. The way that I show up in that way, the, the potential that I hold inside in that, you know, yeah. in that way really does, it's more than the sum of the parts. It's synergistic. It creates more possibility. What are some experiences you've had encountering maybe someone who maybe had a natural transformational leadership ability or transcendence and just you saw it in them like pretty quickly uh, the number one thing that i would say is that they had no desire to take power or control from anybody else mm. that they were very conscious of being exactly themselves showing up for you know the other person being exactly who they were, right? There was no need to validate themselves mm. at any level from the other person. That to me is one of the first things I would say. I love that. 
I love that. It's kind of funny. It's like not asking for attention, like yes. not, not seeking it, not seeking it. It's a great line in uh, Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Binster, love that movie. You know this line, right? Yes, Sean Penn, <laughs> and they're in the mountains, and he's taking the picture, oh. you know, and he's like, you know, beautiful things don't ask for attention. Oh my God, I so love that you just said that. That's seriously chilling. It's chilling. Ah, oh. hmm. yes. I hold I that feel... very dearly to me all the time. Me too. Oh my God, me too. And to look at other people that way for me, right? Like that's how to look at other people and just see like beautiful things do not ask for attention. And that tells the truth to me every time. It's powerful. Oh. I know my wife and I, first time we watched that in the movie theaters, we looked at each other. I was like, I was getting like choked up. Like that, <laughs> that hit my frequency of consciousness. Extreme it was like a sledgehammer right there and it confirms so much for me about how i want to exist and yeah. like i i don't want to be seeking all this attention for the vanity of it exactly know? and there's so much lost when we do right yeah. that's the when people for me if we're really you know expanding in our own conscious awareness and recognizing i lose so much when i seek for that versus when i can be with myself, be in myself, and then how I experience and interact with other people creates more than the sum of the parts, more than was there before. And to just show up to that, you know, it isn't me, it isn't that, it's all, you know, both of us, all of us, that possibility can create so much good on this planet. And yeah. that's not me showing up, looking in your eyes, asking for something and then being the first person who's seen you. That's me just showing up as myself. I don't need to yeah. get anything out of you or out of this, right? Yeah. Like you do your podcasts. Like yeah. you just show up I, and you're like, okay, let's I see what show happens. Up, man. There's, little, <laughs> there's no script. You know, it's funny when people are like, all right, what are we going to talk about? Like, what are the topics? I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, I just... <laughs> We got to be okay with not knowing, you know, it's like, do you know what you're going to talk about when you meet somebody new all the time? I don't know. Like, at least when I meet people, like I say, oh, let's meet for coffee or something. I don't have like a written out agenda. Maybe other people do. I just kind of let's see where it happens. Even the awkwardness is fine. Totally. <laughs> Learn something in the awkwardness. Like our frequencies are not there, man. It's something. It's yeah. okay. It's, it's totally fine. It's you know? okay. But the magic is like, coming together having yeah. the conversation you're building it's like these tendrils all the it's like the veins are coming together we're linking yeah. where this this neural like handshake is happening it's, and it's happening yeah. virtually now with people i know and in person and in person i i think that's absolutely true and i think our intention is such a part of it how how well we know ourselves to be the most authentic that we can is a part of that. You know, I, when I started doing uh, my work online, I took it out of having offices into doing it online so that I could live location independent in the world. Yeah. And when I did that, um, people would say, oh, well, you know, like, but that's going to not be as personal. It's not going to be as close. And what they have found, and this was way back before this was really taking off, like it has now um, and now with the pandemic, but they would be astonished at how connected we could be because it isn't based on proximity. Yeah. Like that, when you really connect, 
you know, that heart energy, that soul spirit energy intention that, you know, I am completely right here, presence with you right now, nowhere else, that it, there isn't this geographic proximity factor that has to be there. And then they would meet me in person for the first time, maybe a year after we've been working together. And they're like, oh my God, like, I feel like I've known you forever. I'm like, well, in a sense, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's yes. no different, right? It's no different. Actually, I, I have a client that I've been training for four years and we never met. We've been doing all live virtual, fairly long time. And we met for the first time last month in California. And it was, I mean, it was easy. So we had built this pathway already. This bridge had already been built. And so I was challenging people. So oh, that stuff, it doesn't work and stuff. Like, I don't know, maybe you haven't tried it or maybe it's just not your frequency, whatever. But don't bash my frequency on this. Like, this is real to me. If it's not real to you, it doesn't mean my reality isn't real for me. Right. Right. That's a good way to, that's a good, um, good check on that. I, you know, I do feel like when we are really present with people, there is something that happens. Yes. You know, regardless of where we are on the planet, when it, when we do it yes. for sure. Um, and to me, that also means, you know, in your question about consciousness and, and your other question about transformation, um, for me, that personally feels like a responsibility, right? How do mm. I choose to be aware of that in a responsibility to myself, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, what's interesting, like, I actually really thought about this yesterday when I knew I was going to be talking to you. Because sometimes you think of somebody and then they make you think of something that starts cycling in your brain, <laughs> True. right? You're like, oh, this person represents this thought process for me. And I kept thinking like with my podcast, I want to be more intentional, intentional about talking to people like Carmel. I want to find more of these people. Like how do, and I start then like, how do I create a formula to find that frequency? over and over and over again. I think I've gotten better at it. I really do. There's something there. There's some type of equation. Maybe it's not tangible, but that a feeling that I can get to try to like pinpoint that, you know? I don't know. But I thought about that when this was going to house. I was like, wait a minute. I, that's an honor. <laughs> Very true. much so. Um, because I, I, and I feel the same, right? Knowing that we were going to talk and that my feeling is, oh, where, where is he going to lead us? Like, you know, where is it, are his questions going to like open doors for us to go to? <laughs> and what a gift. Yes. I mean, that for me, that's also, it's a good practice for me to be in your company for that reason, yeah. because I think, you know, the quality of our thinking and the, the, the possibilities of our thinking are in the questions we ask. And you are so just tapped in to listen to the Thank questions. You. Quality <laughs> of thinking. That's an interesting phrase. The quality of thinking. I have to think about that phrase, the quality of thinking. Hmm. I don't think I've heard that before. What does it bring up? That's there? new to me. Well, I mean, it's kind of like, what's, you think of quality. And she would say, well, this is a quality a uh, piece of work. This mm -hmm. is a quality conversation. Like, what does that mean? Like, what is everything about me is like always, what does that mean? Like, <laughs> we need to, we need Thank to like God. think about this. Like, 
<laughs> quality thinking or do you have like junky thoughts do you have like like I think we do like, right random <laughs> thoughts do you have like very kind of like trash tv thoughts so you there's like a hierarchy of thinking yeah right and I I personally like to exist in the higher level of like operationalized thinking where I ask questions we define things and but we're okay if things we can't figure it out that's right and then ask really, really big questions when they come to me, just like big existential questions. To me, that's quality thinking. Mm -hmm. what, what does that mean for you? Well, the first thing that I think about as you're saying this is that saying that we've all heard, small minds talk about others, mediocre minds <laughs> talk about events, and great minds talk about ideas, right? forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um i think that was one of the greatest compliments i've received from a client years ago who um i thought of her as a really excellent thinker and she said this to me she said carmel you know i can always count on you to talk about ideas like greater ideas that you're that's where you want to engage in and i don't think i was really aware that that's what i always did at that point in time so it was really a, a wonderful reflection but quality thinking i agree with you completely to be able to you know reach into the ether into the unknown mm -hmm. into the things that we don't normally think about ask questions about that and continue you know running down that thread to see where it takes us um, and to be delighted by it or intrigued by it curious right that endless curiosity i love yes. that idea of endless curiosity but then also in that um, the quality thinking for me is connected to um, what comes of that thinking, right? Because I don't think that for me, it's not, I can't separate that out. You know, I look at my being in the world as always producing something, even if I'm just sitting there with like not speaking to anybody, nobody's around me, there's always something coming out of my being alive in the world. And what, what is that? You know, is it, you know, is it trash thoughts and, you know, whatever energy that, you know, promotes, or is it the greater possibilities that I think about with my clients? You know, when I, when I think about people in my life or I connect in, for me, it's, it has to lead to something that's more something or something that's greater, you know, in them or something that's helpful, something that's giving or serving in some way. Right. And maybe we just practice at that to where it becomes just the way that we do that, you know, when nobody's around, nobody's watching, nobody know the inside of our heads. Um, and, you know, to catch when I get into that spiral where, you know, I'm upset by something, or I feel like I'm kind of, you know, circling back in on myself, and that's not helpful too. and to be able to disrupt that and move myself back into the other way. Yes. To me, that feels like quality thinking. Yeah, actually, catching your thoughts is, is another thing. I, that's all I do is I just somebody says something and I just center on it I'm just like perfect what is that catching your thoughts I think that's a form of like more a higher version of thinking because it's mm -hmm. easy to get onto like this run of like bad like really poor thinking practices yes. or judgmental thinking practices exactly but then with you like like catching those thoughts like why am I saying this like why you know what, why am I talking like this? Why, why am I, why am I judging these people? I don't know anything about it. Like that's right. a higher order thinking to me. 
the it ability is. to like stop yourself and then evaluate what you're saying and then to make a turn in a different direction. You know, I think that, you know, when I was growing up, my mom, she, she always, um, she taught us principles and she said, be true to principles and not to people, which I love to this day, right? Because I think that to me, principles will always serve all of us. So if we're being true to those, then we're not going to, you know, get off track like we could otherwise being true to a person for whatever reason. And um, one of the things that she said was defend the absent. Um, and from the time I was really small, defend the absent. It would, for her, as she explained it to me, it was this idea, if somebody is not there to speak for themselves, how do you stand for them with them not being mm. there? And that doesn't mean mm. that we, you know, accept um, the bad actions of other people. It means that we stand for the principle of the thing and we stand for that person's greatest possibility, yeah. right? Uh, does that, I, I, that's probably a little bit deep and complicated, but no, it, it makes fine. sense, right? No, it makes, it makes, it makes perfect sense. It's, you know, it also, it just makes me think about like, like what we're doing, what right. I do all the time with people. I think this is a very innate thing in humans that started a very long time ago was talking by a fire, listening to a radio, yeah. yeah, listening to people talk. People like hearing other people talk and people like to talk to other people. I think we, we downplay this way too much, way too much in our society. Like if you're talking to people uninterrupted in this type of version, you're a plant, you're gonna grow. Yes, you are. Your photosynthesis is happening. You're being watered. You're being fed. Mm. And I, I look at it this way. Like I've recently got into gardening. Now you want to talk about like a key switching? Oh, yeah. This is the almost unlikely thing for me to be into <laughs> easily, like easily. Like me of like 20 when I was 25, you'd be like, hey, you know what? In like 20 years, you're going to be like really into gardening. Be like, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think, think so. so. Not going to happen. No. <laughs> but I watched last year, my wife got this pumpkin plant and I watched it grow every day. Yeah. And I watched the leaves cover the pumpkins when it got too hot. And then I watched the leaves open up when it cooled. And it was like, click. <laughs> it was like, click. I need this in my life. Wow. Because see, really the thing is when you feed a plant, especially a vegetable or whatever, it feeds you. That's right. When you do this, when you talk to people uninterrupted, you have the conversation, you're feeding each other. Yes. You're creating a stronger frequency, a stronger connection. That Wi-Fi signal is like four or five bars. You know, like, <laughs> yes. Is your signal, you got one bar, you need to talk to more people. You need to talk to more people. To talk and, to more people. And have great quality of thinking, you right? Quality, yes. <laughs> I want four bars. I want four <laughs> bars. Uh, let's go for five. Let's go yeah, for five. Bars. I want 5G. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. But don't you find when you have these great conversations with people, you know, and sometimes I have to think that you're the one that just instigates and opens up a greater elevation for the people you talk to. Right? Sometimes they come in and they're just like ready and just go from that level that you, you're just yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But other times they're suddenly like kind of woken up to come to that level and how wonderful it has to be to experience that and watch it happening in front of you as 
I mean, isn't that it definitely true? happens? Yeah. You know, I think the other part that is key, and I've, I've talked to a lot of other podcasters, and I said, this is the part that's missing, though. This is the missing part. You have to nurture it after that. You have to water okay. it. You can meet somebody and have this great conversation, but over time, it doesn't have to be a lot. You have to reach back. You have to yep. say, hey, loved having you on. So awesome to meet you. Right. I just want to see how you're doing. How's your life going? Like you got to water those connections. You have to over time. You know. I think that that's that's very true. And to as we as we do that, to just feel the openness and not feel any kind of obligation. Because I think too often people feel like, oh, I've got to take it on as a responsibility instead of the way that you talk about exercise and movement as being fun. Mm -hmm. Like to do that with the connections with people, right? Yeah. To to reach out and have it just be fun and, and be able to be like in the unknown. If it just is like a moment and you're like, great, if it's a little bit more awesome, you know, right? Yeah. I, I tell you a good example, like early on in my podcast, this had to be like episode 20 something, like way back machine. And I had this lady on Michelle Miller. I think she's in Florida, such a nice person. And my thing is once I meet somebody over time, I either like text them or email them over time. Hey, how's it going? Hope you're yeah. doing well. So she, she's been around for a long time and kind of my atmosphere. So I have texted her tons of times throughout three, four years. And this last message I sent her again, what I normally do. Hey, how's your life going? How are you doing? I'm here for you. If you need somebody to listen, blah, blah, blah. She sent back this huge message. Like you've been sending me these notes for three, four years in a row. And just from our, like, you never forgot about me. Like, who does that? You who know, does that? I was like, yeah, but that's, that's the watering, you know, it's like, and some plants need more water. Some plants need, need less yes. in order to grow and survive. And so I, I kind of take that approach with people. Some people, I feel this frequency that I got to water this plant most days or most, and some of them it's like, okay, this is, this is a perennial. It's going to come back. You know, I maybe need a <laughs> once a year type of thing. It's all, there's a lot of, there's a lot of comparison to nature. If you think about it, and there is, it's crazy, actually. It is actually some of my most profound experiences in my life have come from people who I remember one client in the past, he was a farmer down in Southern Utah and just this quiet, deep human. Like I just, mm. I wondered his thoughts traveled the universe and like, mm. he never said them out loud. And I could not, I just couldn't get enough of him. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I wanted to know, and he just say, you know, a little bit, but it was in that because he was so in nature in the seasons and the ways of moving with the flow. Right. And unhurried, but very, very aware of what was going on. And he wasn't, you know, didn't have all these degrees and he didn't do yeah. all this work in consciousness like I do and like all this stuff. And yet here he was so aware, right? Yeah. Yeah. Nature, you're right. Nature is this deep instructor of ourselves. Deep. Yeah. Deep instructor. It's uh, lasting. It will continue to be here beyond our physical yes. selves, which makes me think as we wind up here, like, how do you want to be remembered? Hmm. Um, I actually have thought a lot about that because one of the ways that I keep myself honest is, um, I look at 
I look at beyond my death where I decompose and even, you know, my, my family lines are, you know, exhausted or whatever, whatever's taken place and, and, you know, whatever kind of marker there might be, like it's long since lost. Right. And what is, what is it inside that I want to continue? Um, and for me, you know, part of it is, you know, the books that I'm working on to go out into the world and the ideas that they can produce. Um, that's a big part of it for me of, it's not me being remembered, it's the possibilities that I can put out and that those will continue to spark. And even if the books get lost or forever gone, that the ideas that are in them continue to spark and further um, move through humanity mm -hmm. as we continue on. That's the way that I consider being remembered, I guess. Yeah. And then in the short term, I guess I would want to be remembered from the true love and connection that I have with other people in the world, that they know that I saw them and that they mattered, and that between yeah. us, this was an absolutely understood thing. Yeah, that's beautiful. It's absolutely. What about beautiful. you? <laughs> <laughs> I honestly, this is going to sound kind of funny. Like, well, several things. Uh, one, that people remember that I enjoyed um, being a good person to other people. Yeah, I, I want to, that was a good example. Hopefully that was a good example of goodness and kindness to other people. One, it's important that people remember, I love having a good time. I love having a great time. Want to be alive. Almost any party I'm saying yes to. Uh, I'm like, <laughs> I mean, I'm like, my, it's almost a yes at almost oh. any party. It's like, hey, this is a chance to laugh and have fun and toast and like being alive is very important to me. And uh, the process of being excited, uh, holding space for great times and deep conversations that hopefully somebody remembers that we had a really good time together. That pretty simple, we had a good time together. That like, goes right yeah. to my heart. I so, so get it. And so good because you know there's there's people you don't remember good times with. You know, it's like it's not a great memory. <laughs> That's right. It's not a, you don't want to be remembered as the person that was like the downer, right? Or you know, talk too much, or was boring. Right. Like right. who wants to be that? Or <laughs> uninterested, uninterested people because you uh, had so much of your own stuff you were yeah, so caught up in, or, or you just blew your life into other people. Like I got so many problems. Yeah. The bad listener. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't want any part of that. Like, yeah, like, I'll take the good time guy. <laughs> that's a, that's a true legacy for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, Carmel, listen, this could go on for ages. It literally could go on for ages. Yeah. Uh, you are a wonderful, incredible human that I enjoy spending time with. I really do. Thank you. I've been looking forward to this for a long time. So have I. I mean that. So. Thank you. Yeah, no, thank you because um, it's just been effortless, right? Effortless. The entire conversation. I just feel like we kind of flew around the cosmos a bit today together. Um, 5G. 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 <laughs> <laughs> On steroids. <laughs> 5G. This is the real Starlink, right? <laughs> like, 
it is. Thank you for bringing out the, the best possibilities in people, including Thank myself. You. And I really appreciate that today so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. And tell all the lovely people how they could uh, get more of Carmel Clark. Oh, well, uh, thank you. Um, I am, so I lead programs and uh, right now I have an event coming up. I do it online. It's, I call it the wake up call event. And it, this one is specifically focused on our imposter syndrome and transforming our imposter syndrome because I think it's such a prevalent thing. So that's coming up on May 19th and 21st. I do it as a two part Thursday evening and again, Saturday morning. Anybody can join and it's high touch uh, interaction uh, in this kind of work in the wake up call event. So it's not like a workshop per se, it's more you come in and we do real life right there together for you to move your needle to start that transformative process. So that's the wake up call event specifically focusing on the imposter syndrome. It's May 19th and May 21st. And I have the, the link for people to check it out and they can register if they want. Um, so that'll be available uh, for anybody who uh, would like to join in with me. That's the, the up and present thing that's happening right wonderful, now. Wonderful, beautiful stuff. Everyone, Carmel Clark, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you, Darian.